Hey everybody, welcome to episode four of It's a Trap. I'm Cam, and uh, I'm here with Dave. And I almost said hi. My name is Cave. Is what I almost just said. <laughs> Cave. Yeah, that's okay. that's. Let's not make that a thing, please. <laughs> All right. Yes, I'm Cam. He is Dave. Yes. And this is episode four of It's a yeah. Trap, which it's been a while, but that's kind of the thing with this show. Yep. It happens when it happens, and when it does happen, it's wonderful. At least I I think so. I think so. Well, hey, there we go. Then it <laughs> must be true. So uh, it's episode four, Dave, which means that we are covering a new movie character. Yeah. And I'm sure that our listeners are eager to know who we're covering, even though, hint, hint, this person's name will be in the show title. <laughs> so they probably already they know probably who we're. They probably do already know. Because they're clever. But anyways, who are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Atticus Finch from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Indeed, and this is the the movie, not the book. Yes. Obviously. All right, so To Kill a Mockingbird came out in 1962 mm-hmm. uh, and stars Gregory Peck as Mr. Atticus Finch. And so it's set in the Depression-era South. I think we determined that it was Alabama. Yep. Right? Based yep. on the car license plate? Yeah. Um, so it's set in the Depression era South, and Atticus Finch is a lawyer, and he gets appointed to represent a black man who's being accused of raping a white woman. Yes. So right off the bat, this is a much heavier um, scenario than I ever remember, because I think I had to read this book in eighth or ninth grade for school, and all I could remember from the book is Boo Radley was creepy. Yeah. That's that's my only <laughs> recollection of what this book was about. And so uh going into the movie, I didn't didn't do any research beforehand. I just wanted to come at it with a clean slate of well, clean slate minus Boo Radley is creepy. Creepy. Which it turns out, yes, folks. Even creepier than you think. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to that later. Um but so I had no idea that this was such a um emotionally loaded mm-hmm. scenario yeah. that that Atticus Finch is trying to navigate as a single dad in the racist South. Yeah. Um and in all of what happens, which we'll get into. Um so I think from the from just the very onset of the movie, I was completely um not not unprepared, that's not right. I was I was uh unexpected of what this movie was actually about. Right. Kind of like with Psycho. I had a very different vision of what the movie was about in my mind to what it was actually about. Uh-huh. Um, so that was interesting for me personally to, as I'm watching the movie to just kind of wrap my head around, like there's some serious stuff being talked about here. Like yeah. some serious deep seated, like humanity issues being discussed here, which I was not ready for. Right. Um, I'm glad that that was the case, but it certainly took me by surprise. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just like, I don't know, there's a lot of N-bombs. Yes, very. Well, I, I shouldn't say a lot, but there was enough to make me uncomfortable. I don't know about you, Dave. I'm sure that in your line of work, you hear that word tossed around. Yeah, it. I it didn't bother me um too terribly much other than um when it is when it is used in the movie 
um, there is there's plenty of hate behind the word. There's plenty of, I mean, it's it is it is being used in the way that it uh, uh, the context that um, you know not like what it you know today it's become somewhat acceptable amongst certain groups, but this is very much the racist n word. Yeah. And yeah, everything that the word stood for mm-hmm. is yeah. fully embraced when it is used in this movie. That's a good way to say it. Um, but let's move on to Atticus himself. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as we go, we can you know maybe talk about our favorite parts of the movies, or at least favorite parts of the movies, other characters as well. But we want to focus on Atticus because, in my estimation, he kind of represents this ideal, idealistic person who exists in a very unidealistic culture. Right. Uh, so as we said, it's depression era, Alabama racism is at its peak, mm-hmm. I dare say. And Atticus, who is a single dad in this movie has to navigate being a single dad and being a lawyer and teaching his kids the right way to live all while dealing with the fact that the people that live around him have a very skewed view of life and humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, he is assigned this case. He is assigned this case, yes. And so he takes the case knowing everything that it entails and does what he deems is the right thing to do, which is to represent a black man who is in pretty much every possible way, obviously innocent. Right. Uh, but he has to represent him against a corrupt and skewed culture and system. Mm-hmm. And along the way, he has to help his kids understand what's happening. I mean, to to the point where, you know, they're getting told at school, your daddy's a blank lover. Mm-hmm. And then the little girl's getting in fights because they're talking bad about her daddy. And so he, I mean, it's, it's a very real life scenario of this dad trying to do what is right, but then also trying to help his kids understand that sometimes when you do what's right, it doesn't always go the way that you want and, and that people are going to be irrational and people are going to hold on to their beliefs even when they don't make sense or in the face of overwhelming evidence, they're still going to make the wrong decision because of cultural pressures and you know what they know to be right, even though it's completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I think from that perspective, I have a ton of respect for this character because he is willing to do the right thing um, in the face of such stupidity. Yep. When he knows he's the only one swimming upstream, he still decided to do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and so he's almost like this hero character. Um, which is, you know, not something you would expect from a black and white crime drama. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, 
he the character is is very much I think um what we all would like to be um that type of person that um does what they believe is to be is right and an element of really seeing all humanity is is humanity um is going to do justice for everybody and anybody. And, you know, in this particular case, um, the person he was defending was innocent. Um, but he was doing it in a, at a date in a time where that was not the popular way, uh, to go. And so, uh, I think, you know, the, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but uh, there's a quote in the movie where the dad, Mayella's dad, talks about he should have just, you know, taken care of the guy himself. And uh, that in and of its, that quote and him saying that kind of even reveals the fact that, well, this guy probably is innocent because it wasn't it wasn't you showing restraint that this didn't happen it didn't happen because it didn't happen and um Atticus Fitch is one of those people that you know there's the um he tells the truth he lives by the truth and there's none of this sort of he's got to remember what he said or anything like that just a very solid um person but like i said i think we all would really like to model ourselves after yeah some of the uh notes that i took while we were watching the movie is that you can tell that he cares about his kids a lot but he's not overbearing mm-hmm. and uh you know they kind of have the run of the town and i think part of that is just reflective of the time that they weren't concerned about children's safety like parents today are mm-hmm. but Definitely. he lets them figure things out he lets them express their feelings, but he is firm with them when he needs to be. Uh, so I just think that as an example of what a dad could be like, um, it was nice to see how he interacted with his two kids, even when they were being defiant, <laughs> which, you know, they are quite a lot in this movie. He's very patient, even even with the, the court trial and all of the, the setbacks that happen, he's just, he, he never loses his cool. No, he doesn't. He's a very collected guy. Um, he has awesome glasses. He does have awesome. <laughs> uh, they're back in style now. And I also put he's smarter than all the rednecks, which yeah. is showcased quite a few times. Yeah. And, and he just, um, you know, when you're talking about his interaction with the kids, it's it's one of those where uh, he's very firm with them. Yeah, and and that's I, I think that is just the thing throughout the movie with with Atticus is that he just has a sense of if it when something is right, you don't have to argue, you don't have to. And uh, the, the one of the things that stands out to me is at the I don't. I can't remember exactly when it occurs in the movie. I think it's at the end when Mayella's dad spits in his face. I think it's the end, um, and he just literally wipes the, his face off, gets in the car, and he drives away. And 
he's clearly bigger, more physically able than the guy that spits in his face. Oh, yeah, he could have crushed him. And could have crushed him. In fact, the guy that spits on him kind of cowers a little bit, knowing that he probably deserves to be punched in the face, and he doesn't. And, I, I mean, that's just one of those situations where, I mean, I can just tell you, I'm not going to walk away from that. I'm going to deck that guy, and I'm going to put him on the ground. I mean, that's just, I mean, being spit, spat upon, uh, that is just, and I know Jesus did the same thing. Uh, that, to me, just sends me when somebody does something like that. And if I'm in a position where I'm righteous and decking that person and I'm bigger than them, <laughs> especially then, you know, and so every time I see that, I'm just like, there's no way. Like, there's even part of me that's like, that only happens in movies. A real person <laughs> would never do what Atticus just did. I think it's time to move on to quotes, perhaps. Okay. Because I have lots of likes and a few dislikes that I think we need to spend some time on. But first of all, uh, at one point, Jim goes, I can't go in without my pants, <laughs> which is just funny. I don't know. There's no, there's no like deep meaning. It just made me chuckle. Yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting because if if uh, you Google um, quotes for To Kill a Mockingbird, you get a lot of those kind of deep philosophical uh, quotes that are in the movie. But there are just a ton of, I don't know that I would call them one-liners, but just things that are said that if you're really listening, they do kind of make you laugh. Um, well, and they're even funnier because they're in like the thickest. Yeah. Southern accents. I mean, there was times where I had to look at you and say, what are they? I don't even understand what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, a couple that, you know, just from the, just from the get-go in the movie, um, Scout's telling Atticus, he won't come down until you agree to play football for the Methodist. You know, That was a line I didn't understand. It's like, play for who? <laughs> the Methodist. You know, and it's just funny that um, th- there's, there's one of the things this movie does well um, and we didn't we didn't mention this, but it is based on Harper Lee's book, a Pulitzer Prize winning book. Um, but the movie does a good job of just sort of drawing you into the story from the get go. You know, it just starts off with this. You know, um, the brother's name, Jim. It is J E M, Jim. So he's in the tree. You know, Finch Atticus is trying to get him down, and then Scout's kind of giving that commentary. Um. As they as they walk through the neighborhood, they pass by this old lady's house, and um, the the story is there's a Confederate pistol in her lap under her shawl, and she'll kill you as quick as look at you, you know, just Mrs. Things, Dubose, Mrs. Dubose, just things like that that just makes me go, uh, that uh, just make me chuckle, uh, make me go that um, that there's um, a sense of just drawing you into the story with a lot of those little sort of uh, quotes, uh, one-liners that uh, maybe don't make it to the Ipimba page um, throughout the movie that, like I said, they made, they made me laugh. So, Yeah, I think one of my favorite quotes is from Atticus to his kids, and he says, you never understand a person until mm-hmm. you consider things from their perspective. Which to me is like, oh, heavy man. Yeah. But what a what a great lesson to try and teach your kids at an early age. Yep. Especially when they're you know prone to punching other kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not quick to, um, uh, not quick to relate to 
walking into somebody else's shoes and um you definitely get that sense with with Atticus Finch that that's that's something that he actually you know not just a quote but something that he actually uh tries to do for sure um any other quotes on your end sir um that stuck out to you you know and i don't know that i did a good job of um I don't know that I did. Well, I know I didn't write it down. Um, but there's just a there's a quote there that just talks about there's, and I can't remember the. I had so intended to do this, but something the fact that there's a few noble people in this world, noble men in this world, and your dad is one of them, and just uh, oh yeah, it was the neighbor lady who came over yeah. when he found out that um, Tom Robinson had been killed. And he had to go tell the family, and she was trying to console Gem and Scout. Yeah, and then just even the whole, um, you know, when they're when they're in the courtroom and um, making sure that the ki- you know their dad's coming by and has them stand up. I mean, it's just clear throughout uh, the movie the amount of respect that the community has for him. And so those were, uh, I think. Uh, quotes that I had but didn't get that one completely down what about you um no more quotes per se I mean outside of his uh, closing argument but that's multiple minutes long Mm -hmm. which I want to talk about here in a little bit but um so some of the stuff that I that I disliked I want to get that out of the way so we can end on a positive note um like I said I couldn't understand the kids half the time Mm -hmm. because they were yelling and talking in their Southern, I'm Dill Harris, and I just couldn't even understand him half the time. Um, so that was a little annoying. Um, also, he's not in the first half of the movie very much at all. It it almost seems like there's these two disparate stories happening. The kids trying to figure out what the heck is going on with the Radleys down mm-hmm. the street in the creepy house, and then Atticus dealing with the court proceedings and the first half of the movie is heavy on the kids and really light on Atticus and then halfway through it flips and it's really heavy heavily focused on Atticus and the court proceedings and much less so on the kids and then at the very end those two storylines come crashing together Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the movie to form a really nice conclusion but um, as I was watching it I'm like okay, we're doing a show by Atticus Finch and he's not in this movie <laughs> at all. And I was trying to, I was like, what, what is Dave on to here? Because this is all about the kids right now. And, yeah. and then obviously later I was like, Oh, I see what Dave was talking about. But, um, so that was a bit frustrating, but I do like the way that those two storylines did come together at the very end. Um, and, and provided a, uh, an interesting, um, philosophical, scenario which maybe we can talk about mm-hmm. at the end of our show also the thing that i didn't like is that they had a black servant come on guys realize it's the 30s but let's all just move on <laughs> and treat everyone like they're real people um so yeah so there was a few times where i was just like on edge i was just like oh white people we are the worst the absolute worst and then I was like, all right, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's it's accurate for that time, which is super depressing. But things are much better now than they were back then. They're not perfect. I don't think they're ever going to be perfect. But things are much better now. 
and hopefully we'll continue to get better as far as race relations are concerned. Cause I was just, I would just, I was like physically angry at a few points in this movie. Like when uh, Mr. Ewell showed up at Tom Robinson's family's house and that's when he spit in mm-hmm. cause he was going to go make a big scene. I was like, this dude deserves to get just destroyed. Cause there was like four or five guys on the porch and I was mm-hmm. like, they just need to circle him and just beat him into a bloody pulp. Yeah. But they didn't. And Atticus didn't. Um, so yeah, so the all like all the racial tension just really made me not happy. Yeah. So, but I mean, I I get that without that, the story doesn't have the same impact, and I get that it is very accurate to how life was, and it just makes me sad that that's how things were. Yeah, I I I guess I would venture to say that. I'm not 100% sure that things are all that much better. <laughs> I think there are places in the South that are still very much like that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking, like, on a nationwide scale. Like, there are, still, there are still places where, I mean, you take a look at that, that stupid white kid that went into the church in Charleston and shot up and killed a bunch of black folk because he was, you know, a white power guy. And it's just like, how, how do people still think that yeah I, I just don't understand you didn't choose to be born white they didn't choose to be born black and they didn't choose to be born asian like you have no choice in what ethnicity or color you are yeah so how can it therefore be determined that one is better than the other i just don't get it it makes zero sense to me um i i think the i i guess the other thing i would say is is it may not be so um, just outright racism and prejudice today. Uh, I did just receive solicitation from the, um, what is it? Southern poverty. I can't remember what it's called. I'm embarrassed by that now, but, uh, they actually do good work. And one of the things they sent me in the, this asking for a donation was, it's a map of the hate groups across America. And oh, I'm sure there's a lot. Um, Majority of them are still in the South. But with that, I, I guess I truly do believe that a lot of people still have a bias that they're unaware of when it comes to black people. And um, it, I, I, I do believe that there's things like if a black man gets on an elevator with a white woman, she clutches her purse closer to her. Uh, I, I do believe there's, you know a black person walking towards a white person and the white person will move over the sidewalk. And, and I, I think there's a lot of just, um, we don't outright say the N word anymore and we don't have servants and, and things like that. But, um, I think we're just better at hiding it and not being racist, but there's still, um, there's, there's still a lot that's not, right in our country when it comes to race. And I will say, I think that's true on both sides. Um, I think that's true for black folk. I think that's true for white people. I think it's, um, we, we've got a lot of work to do and I don't really see either side doing much to make it better. Uh, you know, and so, uh, I know we don't need to go way down this road with this, but, 
uh, it, there's definitely tension throughout the movie in terms of that in a way that I think is repressed more today versus just the outright um, outright discrimination that we would have seen in the 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me wants you to be wrong, but the other part knows you're probably right. So that's fun. Yeah. And the, the name of the, is the, it's the Southern Poverty Law Center is what I was trying to think of. So that put together the, uh, map of the hate groups. They work, they work towards hate groups, racism, civil rights, and anti-Semitism. I will say this. Uh, while I couldn't think of their name, the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, they are probably one of those organizations that are working to make things better. So there are those. There are those. I don't want to throw everybody in the same <laughs> group together. All right. How about things we liked about the movie? That seems a little happier. Uh. It- you know, I I'm gonna continue with the dislikes a little bit. Is uh, I don't think um, this is one of those. It is such a great book. It makes a good movie. Like I I, I do remember reading the book and just the mental picture that it created for me. And I think they do a a, a good job of capturing that. Um, but I think. For me, some of my dislikes comes from the whole. Um, it's difficult to translate a great movie into a, or I'm sorry, a great book into a great movie. I think you get a good movie out of a great book, and that's what you see here. And um, it just uh, kind of what you were talking about with the starting with the kids and then Atticus and then all come together at the end there um, is more effective when you're reading it, flipping the pages than sitting watching it and it's it's uh it's a bit long i my i think i told you it was an hour and a half and yeah it ended up being over two hours so yeah yeah it you does kind of run the boat on that one <laughs> run a little long so though so so there those are my dislikes on that it is a two-hour movie be prepared to be pre- don't just you're not going to watch this movie and just uh, sit back and be entertained this movie is going to cause you to think and engage with it which is a good thing Yes, for sure. All right, so things that I liked. Uh, we've already kind of touched on the fact he's an upright guy. Stands up for what's right, even though it isn't socially acceptable, which mm-hmm. I think is a uh, just a really important thing to repeat. It was not socially acceptable. To the point where this like lynch mob essentially went to go pull Tom Robinson out of his cell and kill him for raping this white girl, which everyone knows he didn't do. And Atticus is sitting watch outside. He's got a lamp outside on the porch, and he's just reading in his suit. And uh, luckily for him, uh, Scout, Jim, and Dill show up, and Scout kind of talks the crowd down because she's like, oh, you're so-and-so's dad, and blah, blah, blah. And they all realize, like, oh, wait a minute. We're all horrible people. We shouldn't be doing let's all go home. And she pretty much, without knowing it, talks down this lynch mob. Right. And... Atticus is, he's not leaving. No. He understands the situation. They've all got shotguns. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. Um, and, 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 you know, luckily enough, the kids show up and, and diffuse the whole situation. Um, but I just, he just is an impressive character. Mm-hmm. And he's not so, 
like they don't paint him as this perfect man. No. So he, it's not like oh he's he's Superman in the thirties. Like you can tell he's just a guy. Like he's humanized so well uh, throughout the whole film that you're like man this is a real dude and he still acts this way. You know it's not he's like I said he's not Superman. He doesn't have superpowers. He's just a normal guy that just wants to do what's right and to mm-hmm. teach his kids. And so I think they did a really good job in the movie of balancing that idealism versus he's just a guy. And I, I thought that was really well done. Yes. Because you're not looking at him going, Ugh, he's so perfect. Like, you know, <laughs> you're looking at him, you're like, man, I want to be like that guy. Right. And so they hit the balance very well. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, you hit on one of my favorite um, scenes was that when the kids show up at the jail and um, Scout and her innocence really, she, I mean, she just really kind of brings out that this is who you are and this is who you are to me and your your child is my friend. And, you know, it was, um, one, I think they were embarrassed to be there. I think they were embarrassed that she knew uh, who they were, and now there was names with the faces, and I don't know, maybe that's where the hoods come into play with the KKK, is they don't want to be recognized by the... <laughs> uh, yep. And is it, it I'm, I guess I'm recalling another movie, is it Oh Brother Where Art Thou, where somebody goes, I recognize your shoes, that's, <laughs> you're so-and-so, and you're so-so, and you're so-and-so. Anyway. That's that, a great movie, too. Um, the that scene outside the jail is, is truly um, one of my favorites just because um, the innocence of a child and the sincerity of her heart um, is just, just completely diffuses the situation. And that, like you said, was not her intention. She just was there kind of to see what was going yeah. on. Yeah. So yeah. Um, another thing that I like is that he, uh, he's putting scout to bed, I believe. Um, is when this happens and she asks him a question and he explains to her that he's doing what is right because if he didn't he wouldn't be able to tell her or Jim to do anything mm-hmm. and so like he is explaining to the kid you know one of the reasons I expect you to listen to me as your father is because I'm setting a good example for you to follow I'm not doing one thing and telling you to do another Mm-hmm. I am I am both telling you and showing you what the right thing to do is. And he's so he is so um intent on that way of life that he says, if I don't do what's right, then I can't tell you to do what's right. He he can't see it, you know, like so many other people see it. That's like, oh, you shouldn't smoke, but <laughs> you know, the parents are puffing cigarettes out back in the house. Or the the parents want their kids to go to church, but the parents want nothing to do with church. Right. He's like, no, I'm going to show you and tell you, which is the right way to do things, yeah. I think. I would I would very much agree with that. Yeah, and just, you know, little things of um, there's a mad dog that shows up in the neighborhood, and um, neither him nor the other guy that show up to take care of this dog really wants to shoot it. Uh, but Atticus is the one that ends up doing it. And, you know, 
there's a lot sort of kind of going up to it with him like fidgeting with his glasses and and fidgeting with the gun and things like that where it's just you can tell he's just not comfortable in that uh clearly had a gun as a kid has clearly been a hunter that's the best shot in the county but shot in the county um but again, ultimately, I think he does it because it has to be done. He knows if he doesn't shoot the dog, um, it's going to end up biting a kid. It's going to end up doing something that, you know, is going to create greater harm. And uh, I think there's just that sense of throughout that movie, he's not always comfortable with what has to go on. Um, but he he kind of presents that front of... of well, it's not a front. He he definitely does what <laughs> what needs to be done, and maybe a front of keeping himself more collected than what he really is. But yeah, but still doing it anyways. Yep. Which leads me to my next like. Uh, he seems fearless in the face, as I put it, of societal idiocy. Mm-hmm. Like he is in the courtroom pleading with anyone that will listen. Open your eyes. The evidence points in every single possible situation that in no way could this man have done this thing to this woman. Mm-hmm. Like even to the point where like she was struck or choked or something. And it was clearly by someone's left hand. Mm-hmm. Tom Robinson's left arm doesn't work. It just yeah. hangs there. How, how could he have hit her with his left arm when he can't even raise it? Right. There's no physical evidence that he was there. There's no, the only eyewitness in heavy quotes is this girl's dad, who's clearly a piece of work. Yeah. Uh, And so, I mean, his closing argument is so good. I remember sitting in the chair being like, yeah, like (laughs) like wanting to fist pump. Like he's totally going to convert these idiots and he's going to open their eyes. And again, because I didn't know the ending. I was Mm -hmm. like, he is, he is bringing it and he's explaining it in clear detail. The only possible solution to this problem is that he is innocent. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the jury comes back. And of course we find the defendant guilty of, as charged. And I wanted to throw something at your TV, but <laughs> I appreciate your friendship too much to break your expensive Thank you. electronics. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, and I know you really can't do this in a court of law, but really the whole reason that the suspect is even with the victim is because she invites him to, to be there. So she's the, you know, culprit in that. And then ultimately the dad is the one that probably beats the daughter. You know, we never for actually... wanting to get with the black man. Yeah, Cause exactly. she was all over him. <laughs> yeah, she was. And so, but even in that he doesn't, um, again, it's, it's the way a courtroom should go. You don't, you know, you don't defame the person that's on the stand. You don't, you know, you don't villainize the dad. You don't do those kinds of things, even though that's really what does happen today. Uh, he understood what was going on and that he wasn't going to gain anything by that. And I also think he knew it just wasn't right, you know, not to uh, drag them into it and um, go after their character, although their character could have certainly been brought into question uh, during much of uh, the courtroom scene. and. And uh, I don't even remember what the dad's name was. It's something like Robert, Robert E. Lee Johnson or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, we have to uh, we have to get to the creepy part. Okay. So at the very end, this is a while after the 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 court proceedings mm-hmm. have concluded. 
uh, it's Halloween, I believe. Uh, Jem and Scout are at some school function in their outfits, and mm-hmm. she's like some hammer, <laughs> some like really. She's like a giant bowling pin. I uh, think that's. I think it's it's products related to their county, or something to that effect, like sure. the agricultural. Products yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're right. Anyhow, so of course they're the last ones there because Scout can't find her pants this time, <laughs> and so she's she's forced to walk home in her outfit and of course they're walking through these creepy woods and there's wind and and Jem thinks he hears something and then out of nowhere this guy hops out and starts to attack them well next thing you know Jem is being rushed back to the house by an individual because he got knocked out in the tussle he got clocked pretty good and so the the servant and Atticus are trying to figure out what's going on and and then all of a sudden they pan out and hiding behind the door to the room is Boo Radley and it freaked me out <laughs> so bad. So we were watching this movie with Dave's entire family. So there was what six of us in the room, yeah. and I'm the only one that's not seen this. I think outside it probably will be. And I remember we're just all, at this point we're all just kind of chit chatting because we know the movie's coming to a close and and then I look at the TV I'm like oh my. <laughs> like totally freak because he's just standing there in the shadow of the door frame and like they've been in this room for like four or five minutes yeah. discussing it and he's just hiding there dude so creepy very, so creepy it is very creepy and then dave of course drops the bombshell on me he goes that's robert duvall <laughs> what and then of course it's robert duvall at like age 20 or something like that you know with some serious eye shadow going on but yeah, I yeah, did not see that coming. His first movie, he had no uh, actual lines in the movie. Dude, he plays he plays creepy neighbor real well. Yeah, well, and then it's it, I I'm assuming that Atticus and all the other adults are actually familiar with Boo Radley and probably know he's harmless and uh, you know have grown up with him. Uh, whereas our perspective is really from the children of talking about Boo Radley and this monster that he is. And I think they even imply that he eats kids at one point. I can't remember. Um, so our perspective about him is is purely from the, a child's imagination. And we all had that neighbor, that house, whatever, growing up that the stories were sort of uh, told about. Um, and so what's I think is even creepier is like, Scout like grabs his hand or he grabs her hand and they're just kind of standing in the room and like none of the adults seem too concerned about the no, creepy guy behind the door. They leave. Yeah. And so my guess is, is they probably have more knowledge of him yeah. than what, what we're given in the movie, but it's still just sort of like this, like weird, just that does not make me comfortable that all the adults are leaving the room now. So. Yeah. So we find out that the person that attacked the kids was, uh, the Yule guy, so the the woman's father, the woman who was attacked. Yule. That's right. Yeah, the woman that was attacked by uh, Tom Robinson, according to the court. Uh, her dad, the the one that's spitting out of his face, and the one who is just a lovely human being, decided that because he was made a fool of by Atticus in the court, and because Atticus pretty much proved everybody that he was a liar, he was going to take. And this guy's also a drunk. Like when he spits in, in Atticus's face, he is plastered. I mean, he's walking up to the house and he's stumbling. And so I'm assuming he got drunk and decided, I'm going to go take out Atticus Finch's kids for making a fool out of me. I'm a real man. 
you know, and he winds up dying uh, with the knife that he brought. Boo winds up killing him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sheriff determines in a work of impeccable detective ship that he fell on his own knife and that's all that happened. Boo wasn't there. The kids, you know, were lucky to get out of that alive because he was just drunk and fell on his own knife. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, the, the philosophical question that the movie ends on is that we as an audience get resolution like, oh, finally that idiot's gone. But Mr. Wright and good and everything like that, Atticus, has to accept that the sheriff is lying about what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And so to protect his own kids, he is forced to accept a obviously incorrect rendering of what happened in the woods that night. Mm-hmm. And so that's like kind of the cliffhanger you're left on. It's like, oh, I get this resolution that this guy's gone, but the guy that I've been championing at championing as, you know, uh upright and ideal and righteous is now having to accept a lie essentially mm-hmm. to cover up what really happened. And I thought that was a very interesting way to end the movie. Yeah, because ultimately we don't know what he does, but there's sort of this implied that this character of truth and uh, morality is now going to suddenly accept this lie um, is what the story is going to be that is told about what happened to Mr. Yule. So, um, yeah, it just shows you that that there there's always a situation in which you are faced with doing what's right being much more difficult than taking the compromise mm-hmm. and. I just thought it was very interesting that they just slid that in there at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. Like, ooh, touche, Harper Lee, touche. Yeah, and, you know, and here, like I said, you ultimately don't know what what uh, what comes of it, but here is this, like, um, person of authority saying this is what happened when Atticus knows that that is not uh, what happened, or at least... We, you know, based on what we see in the movie, he no, he doesn't doesn't have a. I I can't say. Well, but I also wonder too. The only people that know what happened are Boo Radley, right? Exactly, because Jem was knocked out. Scout couldn't see, and the other guy's dead. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like Boo Radley knows how to use words. No. So the only person that really knows what happened is Boo. So while Atticus may surmise that what the sheriff is proposing isn't exactly what happened, he has literally no way of knowing. Mm-mm. And so I think it's not so much that he's all of a sudden become a uh, non-upright person. I think he's realized there's no way I'm ever going to know what happened because mm-hmm. the only person that does know is unable to communicate and I have to accept the sheriff's conclusion one, because I don't know two, because I can't know and three, because he's the sheriff and it's his job to come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. And so while it may make us uncomfortable as the viewer, I think that he, he realizes what his situation is and he has no, um, he's got no other way to go. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then um, ultimately, it's I think Scout at the end uh, that draws kind of the parallel of um, someone like Boo Radley being put in court, tried for a crime like this, is the equivalent of shooting a mockingbird. Which is a sin. Which is a sin. According. So. Kill as many Blue Jays as you want. Just don't kill a mockingbird. Yes. So, so yeah, Which, there's even sort of that kind of... You get the conclusion of he's teaching her, and then at the end of the movie, she takes what she's learned from him and teaches him with that same stuff, and it's a very nice conclusion of like, oh, the kids get it. He gets yes. <laughs> so, yeah, good movie. Uh, good character for sure. I really, honestly, when you brought him up in our initial discussion, I was like, um, really? Like, I just, I had zero recollection of the book, like I said. So, I, I mean, obviously, I trust you, but I was like, um, I, 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 sure. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. And, and I was pleasantly surprised and, uh, might go back and read the book here, um, to get a, better understanding of, of all that was going on, but yeah, I was thinking the same. It's all right. Maybe we'll start a, start a book club podcast. (laughs) Maybe we'll get Oprah on it. No. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd interview Oprah. Maybe she'll give me stuff. You get a Tesla and you get a Tesla. Tesla's (laughs) for everybody. (sighs) Anyways, I think that brings us to the end. Yeah. Did you want to do our do oh, our, our ratings? ratings? Ooh. You go first. I have to think. <laughs> now, you got to clarify for me. We rate the We movie. rate the character. Did we rate the character? We rate the character, not the movie. Okay. So, you're rating the character on whatever criteria you want to rate him on. Interesting. Uh, I, I'm going to give, I'm going to say this one's a, a four out of five. Okay. Correct. And the reason that I'm not going to give a full five to this, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this very well, is it's, it, I, well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Great model character, somebody I want to be like. I think um, throughout the movie, very much... Um, well done, but he's not in a significant portion of the movie. And I use this word um, hesitantly a little bit. It's border. He's borderline boring, and that's okay. <laughs> uh. Because we we tend to we tend to we want action heroes and we want you know people that kill people and and do all this kind of stuff and he doesn't do anything he just he simply does the right thing and um so when I say boring there's an element of all he's doing is what you and I should be doing <laughs> and so that's why there's there's this not a not a five is I think it's a great character um but. Well, am I going to put a big butt out there or not? It's a great character. It's a, it's a, I'm just going to go with it's a four. 
he's good. Uh, but ultimately it's, uh, he's an everyday guy, like we said, and that's, that's all right. That's a good thing. So, yeah, I'm going to go a four out of five as well. And my, my reasoning is, uh, there wasn't enough of him. Like they did a really good job of presenting the character, but I think, and, and this is obviously because they were, you know, tied to the book that they had the storyline to complete, but I think more of him would have been better. Yes. And uh, more of him would have given us an opportunity to see more facets of his character. Yeah. Um, what does it look like when he does get excited? Mm-hmm. Cause the only time he really gets excited is the closing argument. Mm-hmm. And he's even not that excited. He's just a little more, yeah, you know, boisterous. But um, yeah, to your point, great character. I just want, wanted to see more of him in different situations. Yeah. So I, 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 I guess I'd like a kind of window into the... So, Internal Sorry. struggles, things yeah. like that. So I, I, I want to know more. So okay, let me. So if we're we're judging the character and not the movie, I think I'm gonna re, rephrase mine as a character, five out of five. As a use, as how they used him in the movie, four out of five. That's fair. Because I think as as the the limited parts that we were given of him were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Were I mean top notch. It's just the movie didn't use him as well as it could have. It's sure. like. You know, it's like a coach having, you know, LeBron James and not using him to his full potential. Like, we're only going to play you 20 minutes a game, man. We don't, we don't need you to play 40. We're only going to play you 20. It's like, no, he, he's the best one you got. Put him on the floor every second you can. Uh, now, obviously, that wouldn't make a good movie if it was just him. It would just be like, you know, Atticus Finch vlog. <laughs> Look at me. I'm shaving. Mm, my hair is perfect. So yeah, anyways, uh, really good, really, really good, really good. Good choice, Dave. All right. Bye. Bye.